Do we really know what love is? Most people can't define it. So we lose, we lose the tolerance because other things maybe have gone away. They weren't there for anything except the passion. And there's nothing wrong with that either, right? No. As long as it's always with consent. consent. People get very scared They here. get scared because they don't trust the process, right? And you're in it. You're committed and you're still sharing those good days and those bad days. Somebody catches feelings. Oh, like you catch the flu? This one, to me, think, like basically is friends with benefits. Hey everybody, it's season two of It's Not Human Sexuality and we're really glad you're joining us for our second round. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. So I'm Dr. B and I'm Mandy Johnson. And we are going to take you into some serious stuff and fun stuff about relationships in this season. Betsy, I think a lot of people are wondering what do relationships have to do with reproductive health? Right. So good question. So we know that reproductive health is that umbrella term that covers everything from sexual health to mental health to drug abuse and all of those things. And relationships falls under that. And, you know, we talk about the biology and psychology and sociology of being a person. And what better way to, you know, examine that than through relationships, right? The biology is how we're made up and how our brain works in those hormones that are going through. And the psychology is how we process those feelings that are brought on by the, the biology. And that sociology piece is all that social media and social influence that we're all swimming in and how that, that really forms where we're going and what we think and, and what we do. Absolutely. And I like to tell my students too that you can't really separate all of these things. We can talk about them separately, but you cannot actually separate them in real life. You can't take reproductive relationships out of reproductive health because it's just a part of who we are and it's part of being human. Exactly. Um, it's that biopsychosocial model that, you know, we're tied to. But what we'd like to do is starting off with the uh, first episode in season two is this concept of love. You what know? is love? There's a great poem. I love this poem and it goes like this. To be loved is to know happiness and contentment. To give love is to know the sharing of oneself. For it's through the miracle of love that we discover the fullness of life. And what's so interesting about that is it uses the word love a lot, and it is a beautiful poem, but do we really know what love is? I don't think we do. Most people can't define it. I, I think kids define it really well. There's some quotes that passed around the internet for a long time that, um, you know, people asked children, what do you think love is? And there were some real cute answers like, oh, love is when my mom shares her last piece of chicken with my dad. Mm -hmm. But my favorite one, I'm probably not going to get it right exactly, but it said something to the effect if you stop and listen on Christmas morning when nobody's opening presents and you just stop and listen, that is love. And that one just warms my heart. Well, for sure. That's a goosebump moment. That is so sweet. But it doesn't define love. And it doesn't define love. You're right. And so what this season is about is when we talk about relationships and love and all of that, it's, it's more we're going to break it down scientifically, right? And and what how we interact with that biopsychosocial model and and the goal of this podcast this season is to give you tools for your your toolkit to help you navigate relationships and and the bumpy roads and waters that are involved in all of that the beautiful thing about that is we all go through basically the same stuff so 
you can learn from others and and use the tools that others have have figured out to right and some of those tools are old right so Quite. some of the people i like to talk about started talking about the different types of components in a relationship dating back to the 70s and while i know that may seem really outdated it really isn't because human behavior fortunately or unfortunately doesn't necessarily evolve that quickly or change that much but one of the people i like to talk about is Zeke Rubin when in 1970 came up with these four components of love or relationships and they are pretty straightforward caring for the other needing the other trusting the other and tolerating the other now if you take those separately they can be misinterpreted right absolutely right so when we talk about caring for the other what what do you think that means well I know what it means but I know that a lot of people are gonna kind of picture you know maybe taking care of their spouse when they're sick or making sure they have everything and, and doing the the taking care of you know specifically like putting food on their plate and cutting it and feeding yes, them kind of thing yeah that's absolutely. not caring for it, it is caring it's maybe being a caretaker but you know we always want to remember we want to partner our partner and and parent our children and we don't really want to confuse those or blur those lines so caring for the other really should hopefully mean you just hope they're having a good day. You're you being know? thoughtful. You You're, think of them yeah. when you... And they give you that warm feeling of, I, I, I have this person that I care for, yeah. right? That they, they mean something to me and there would be a void if they were gone. And so I don't... And I don't you give them a hug at the end of the day, especially bet. if they had a hard day. Exactly, like today. But anyway, <laughs> so the other one is needing the other. And this is, a, this is often a deal breaker. And this one breaks my heart because there have been a lot of really great relationships that I've seen not make it because of this concept of need right I, I have a lot of experience with that I didn't get married for the first time until I was 37 and I was a single mom of two kids and I was a very independent woman and I could do a lot of things on my own that that you would a lot of gender roles would think I'd need a man for or whatever and I every time I'd get into a relationship I I would hear a lot of times from the men I was dating that they didn't feel needed enough and I all I could ever think was, I, but I don't need you. I got along just fine without you. I, I want you. <laughs> right. And I love having you here. But but need is a really strong word for, for how I was feeling. But it hurt them to not be needed. And, and because they were putting need as a concept of something that they were doing materialistic or, or physical for you. You know, for instance, I could march my husband in here and say, honey, you don't need me the way I need you. And he'd say, not even close, right? Because we have different components or different parameters of what need are. It doesn't mean he doesn't love me or that I don't love him. It just means that it's not that you don't need me the way I need you. We need to not equate love with need. And I think there's also a level of, of people having different needs. And that's why we have different kinds of relationships. Right. You know, I have friends that provide needs for me that my husband doesn't and, and vice versa. Thank God my husband provides some needs that nobody else does, you know. Uh, <laughs> so and we'll get to that in the last, I think, episode of this podcast for sure. Um, but right. And so then the next one is trusting, right? Trusting the other. And so I always said to my students, is trust immediately given when, you know, when you start hanging with somebody and the answer is no, you don't immediately trust somebody. So trust is something that's earned, right? And, and that's that feedback loop. Um, you know, you say you're going to do something, you do something that builds trust and then yeah. on and on and on. And we build this trust. So, but can trust be lost? Very easily. But can it be regained? Depends on who you are. 
It does depend. Because if you're in it for the long haul and you're looking at a relationship as a process and not a word, and you want to be in it in the long haul, and you feel that on some level trust was lost, and you decide that you want to stay and regain the trust, then you have to be all in, right? You have to make a real strong commitment. Right. So you can't say, yeah, I forgive and forget, but really just do the forgive part and not the forget. And then just keep bringing it up. That's not building trust. That's just making somebody pay for their crime over and over and over again. So the, you know, the trusting the other is, is a real critical piece and something that everybody has different parameters on. But ultimately and finally, this last one for me is a real kicker and it's called tolerating the other. And I think this is really misconstrued, especially when we think about relationships that are not healthy. Yes. People so, tolerate a lot that they should not. Right. And so when I say, or when, when he was saying, you know, this is one of the components of, of love is trust is tolerating the other. I think they were kind of talking about that mundane stuff, you know, like, like I need to tolerate that my husband snores through the night <laughs> and I love him anyway. Exactly. Are you going to like my husband tolerates that I leave a quarter field glasses all over the house. Right. And I've done this for 35 years and he just tolerates it. Or I tolerate the fact that he forgets to pay his nine for one taxes every year and we get audited. I but, tolerate the socks on the floor, even though the hamper's right there. Exactly. We tolerate things so that we can stay together. Right. Because but, those little things can't be what drives you apart. No, but they do when the big things are being ignored, right? Yes. So what we might initially find endearing, oh, look, they left their cereal bowl on the breakfast table, which meant they were there the night before, and you joyfully pick it up and walk eight steps to the kitchen sink and put it in there and you say... Oh, wasn't that sweet? And then you're four months into it and you see the, you know, bowl on the table and you're like, oh, for God, can't, for can't, Pete's sake, can't just... you pick up your bowl? Watch me eight steps to the sink. One, two, three. And you like, can you do that? Do you think you could do that? And that's what happens. See, so we lose we lose the tolerance because other things maybe have gone away. And yes. those are the things that we can focus on. The, the bigger parts of the relationship right. are, are struggling so that you stop being able to tolerate the little things. Right. Absolutely. And that's and so time to revisit some communication things with your partner maybe on that end. But by no means, love is not about tolerating physical, emotional, spiritual, psychological abuse. That's not what that means when we say tolerating the other. Would Absolutely. you agree? I, yes. And I think that's a, a spot that a lot of people get confused on. A yes. I, I, well, it's just something I need to put up with and I need to tolerate. Uh, or maybe they don't know better, but. Or maybe they think everybody puts up with those things. Yeah. Because if isolation is a really horrible thing, right? And and if you're in a relationship that you are isolated, you might think everybody lives this way when really maybe nobody should or does. Or if you grew up in a household that that oh. was the same way and you see that's what love is and then you find yourself in a relationship just like that because, because that's that, your definition of love. That's what you know. That's what you know. And, and that's you, why there are 20 definitions of, of love, love in the dictionary. Oh, right. And we should, we should have addressed that, right? Brotherly love, motherly love. Absolutely. Love of God, if you have that. I love you, Betsy, but very differently than I love my kids. Right. Thank you. Yeah. I love you too. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also another researcher that did these eight styles of love, and it's called the Triangular Theory of Love, and it's by Robert Sternberg. And there are, it's a triangle, right? So there's three components. <laughs> Let's not forget what a triangle it looks like. It is a like. triangle. <laughs> and the three components are intimacy, 
passion and commitment, right? Yeah. And so for the sake of argument, we're going to define what those three components are. So like, you know, intimacy is the sharing of oneself, right? You it's giving yourself self. fully to somebody else yeah. and sharing your thoughts and feelings. Yeah, but it's not physical. It's not sex. Right. And so I think so many people think intimacy is sex, but it's not. It's not. So in this theory, I want you to picture this triangle. Intimacy sits on the, on the top, on the top of the peak, right? Then off, travel down that triangle to the left. You're going to see another component, and that's called passion. And passion is this concept of wanting to be physical with this person or be next to them, whether that's just holding their hand, rubbing their back, or even having a physical relationship with them. That's what passion is. I and always think a, of passion like those are the butterflies. Those are yes. the, they walk in the room and you're just like, yeah. I love yeah. that person so much. Yes, yes, exactly. And you feel so comfortable going up and putting your arms around them. That's yes. passion. And then finally, commitment. And commitment is nobody leaves. We're going to work this out. We're going to hang in there and we're going to find a way to get over these bumps in the road. That's commitment. You're right? all in. You're all in. Okay. So those, those are the components now. So now you have your triangle, intimacy, passion, and commitment. And then he takes it and he develops it into eight different styles. And these are like, infatuation, romantic, companionate, Fatuous, consummate, empty, and non-love. Let's find out what those are. Well, let's start with like. Well, if you're looking at this triangle, like is intimacy only. And this is a not a bad place to start, right? Yeah. So if this it's like is being your, a friend. It is. You're in the friend zone. But it doesn't mean you can't get out of that zone. It just means you have spent some time with this person on an intimate level of exchanging thoughts and feelings and stories. And that's heartwarming and it's endearing and it can be very um what's the word i'm looking for i'm not connecting sure. connecting for sure sure and so but that's the only piece of your triangle right we don't see passion and we don't see commitment you like this person and that's that first triangle that um he called like the next one is called infatuation infatuation we've right. all been there we all have and infatuation is somewhat of sexual attraction kind of yeah, right there's a, all passion it's uh, all, all passion it's all passion no intimacy and no, no yeah yeah you don't really want to get to know this person <laughs> it's the hottie across the room exactly and you're not committed to it right because it's just the hottie across the room but you start developing maybe this fantasy relationship in your head, right? You're watching this person across the room or they're in a class with you or they're walking across campus and you start imagining, you know, what they're like and the day you're going to meet them and what you're going to say and what they're going to say. And you have this whole sort of fantasy relationship that, you know, gets you through a boring lecture. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like organic chemistry, something like that, right? So... But, but what happens is, is that maybe all the stars align and you actually get to meet this person. And then you're severely disappointed severely. because they are not who you made up them to be. Because you knew nothing about them. So infatuation is you know nothing about this person in this relationship. There's passion only. And I feel like infatuation, or sorry, um, infatuation, yeah, can, can also look like a one night stand in a lot of people's oh, realities. Sure. You know, uh -huh. they just bump there, it and yeah. leave and they, they don't. They weren't there for anything except the passion. And there's nothing wrong with that either, right? Yeah. As long as it's always with consent. consent. 
And then we move to romantic. And this one kind of is a f- is funny for me. And I, and I don't mean funny in the sense of demeaning, but it's just so interesting because in society, everybody talks about romance and they all want a romantic relationship. And they want those, they want those flowers and those candlelight dinners and those sweet nothings being whispered in your ear. But when you look at the triangle and you look at the components of a romantic relationship, all you have is intimacy and passion. passion. No commitment. No commitment. And that's like, to me, that's the beginning of a relationship. That's when you're getting to know each other and you're so hot for each other and things are just on fire, but you're not really knowing that you're in it for the long haul yet. And unfortunately, yeah, some relationships stay here for a real long time. Right. Without the commitment. But, but to me, this, this, this always reminds me of those first few months when you're just falling for the person. You don't know that you want to stay with them forever, but... But you've got the passion and the butterflies and you're getting to know each other. So you're sharing all the intimate details. But, it kinda, but there's no commitment. There's no commitment. And sometimes when you get into that portion of that relationship, like the, your relationship is at that stage, you might start to get an uneasy feeling. People get very scared. They here. get scared because they don't trust the process. Right. They think it should just now we should just be committed. And I mean, geez, can we even do that on social media? Was that determine the relationship or? Yeah. What is that? Facebook official. Yeah. (laughs) Are you Facebook official? I just got a real sad feeling right there. (laughs) So, (laughs) but I think that that's true, right? We have, because we live in such a product oriented society, right? But, but also keep in mind that romance can also be all somebody wants. They like the pursuit. They like getting to know somebody. They like the, the, you know, the heated element of it, but man, they just don't want to be committed. So I have to admit this was me and this is why I was single for 37 (laughs) years because I'd rather fall in love than stay there. Or at least that's how I felt for a long time. Okay. And so then next we're going to go to companionate love. And this is, this is not, this is okay, right? This is fun. This is kind of where we see sometimes a lot of couples end up and I don't think it's such a bad place either. But so. when you look at this triangle and you're talking about companion love, what the components on your triangle are going to be intimacy and commitment. But no passion. But no passion. And that that's an interesting way to look at it. And that doesn't mean that you maybe don't want to be physical with this person. It might mean you're not able to. Maybe you've been married for 60 years and you're just, you just can't physically, you know, yeah. bump and grind anymore. Maybe that's just it. And maybe, but, maybe the, you know, maybe you just don't have the desire anymore. But you are. But you t- still very love much love them and want to sit next to them and hold their hand. And you're in it. You're committed and you're still sharing those good days and those bad days. You know, I always think of those people in the, in the mall where, you know, you see a, a person carrying, she's carrying a purse that is like half her weight, you know, and she's shuffling <laughs> along. And then you look over the bench and there's somebody waiting for her while she's in there shopping, right? Yeah. And then they're, they look like they're, you know, 95 years old. And you, I always think to myself, well, there it is, companionate love. And I mean, yes. really, that's not a bad place to land, No, right? I think that's a great place to I end know. up. If, 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 if you can survive 50 years of marriage and end up still friends, <laughs> I'm going to say that's a win. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and you and you and you like that person. Yes. You like that person. However, for some people, passion is important. You know, and they and so when they they say, "Oh, I've got this intimacy and I have the commitment and I love this person, but I'm missing I'm missing the physical, right?" Mm-hmm. And some for some people that's a deal breaker. 
Absolutely. And I just, think that harkens back to the different needs for different people. Yep. Some people need the passion and other people can live without it. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, therapists might even call that a sexual uh, discordant relationship. Somebody wants more, somebody wants less. And so maybe for those relationships, they can come to the bargaining table and find something that's equitable, right? Compromise. So the next style then would be fatuous. Mm-hmm. Fatuous love. And fatuous is a great word because really what it means is silly or fun, meaning nothing really serious. And yes. that's what you're getting here. Absolutely. You've got commitment. You've got passion, but not a lot of intimacy. Yeah, because, you know, you're really committed to the passion, but you really don't want to know anything about this person. Absolutely. And it's sort of a good time, not a long time relationship. This one, to me, think like basically is friends with benefits to me. I, I see sure. people that... And when I say friends, you know, they don't have a lot of intimacy. They don't know a lot about each other because all they're doing is having sex, but they're enjoying it and they're having fun together with it. But they're not they're not in it to get to know each other. They're not right. They're not there for the the intimate details and the crying when your dog dies. They're no they're there for the fun. They're there for the booty call. They're, Absolutely. And, yeah. And they're committed to that. Right. Absolutely. Because like, oh, this is my Tuesday man, you know, Tuesday night person. <laughs> like, I got to go. Right. That's that's my fatuous life right there. And some people really dig that. And that's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Again, what, as long as it's consensual. And long as it's balanced. Right. Because if you start a relationship like this and everybody's like, oh, yeah, we can be friends with benefits. And then one of you decides you don't want to just be friends. You want to be what did you call it? Determine the relationship or Facebook? Yeah. Facebook official. Facebook official. I think yeah. they call it now somebody caught feelings. Oh. Somebody catches feelings. Oh, like you catch the flu? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you're in this kind of a relationship and then somebody catches feelings. Oh, and then the teeter-toller is not balanced anymore. Absolutely. And that's a problem. It's a problem for both sides, yes, right? It is. Because everybody loses at that point. But again, if this works for you, knock yourself out. And then the home run. Consummate love. Consummate relationship. And when you look at this triangle, all three components are there. Intimacy, (laughs) commitment, and passion. Yeah. The home run, right? That's where we're at. We're at the home run. And this, everybody says, this is what I want. This is where I'm headed. This is what I I want to attain. And let me tell you something. I think I have this relationship. I think you have this relationship. But it takes work. It takes a lot of work. And it takes trust because if you're imagining this triangle right now and you see these words balanced on each pinnacle of this triangle, so you see the intimacy and you see the word commitment and you see the word passion and they're all in bold and we say "This this is called consummate love. What you have to understand is sometimes during those years, decades, you know, whatever of your relationship, those words might turn to watermarks. Right? Like intimacy may take a step back and fade into the background. It's still there. Mm-hmm. You can still read it, but it's not in bold. Or commitment might get a little wonky or wobbly, uh, you know, it's a, but it's still there. Right? And same with passion. You know, maybe you're hitting a, a dry patch, but those components are still there. And this, this is where you really need to trust. You need to trust that those components are there. Maybe they're not shining their brightest all at the same time, but all your ships are there and you have to trust that and really, really be firm in that. Because I think what happens is people get to this point in a relationship and one of those things starts to get wobbly and they get scared. I think people don't realize that sometimes they have to work for all three of these things. <laughs> you, you, you're not just going to be passionate all the time. You have to, you have to give a little and take a little and 
and make sure that that stays alive. And, you know, maybe right after the baby's born, you're yeah. not near as passionate as you were before <laughs> the baby was born yeah. when you were trying to make the baby. Exactly. But, but that doesn't mean that you're not willing to work towards that again. And I think that to me is what what the commitment, you know, what, what the long term relationships come from is the willingness to work towards those things again, even if they're missing right now. My yeah. my my sister once told me something to the effect of, you know, if um when 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 things get real bad in the relationship and you're just so mad you've had the worst fight or whatever, um, and this is pretty harsh, but I think it's pretty effective too, is to to imagine that you get that phone call. To in that moment you're so heated mad, but imagine you got that phone call. Oh saying that they had been in an accident. Yeah. And 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 think about how that would affect your life if they weren't in it anymore and then all of a sudden uh, the problems become smaller. Mm-hmm. And a, a little more easier to to put into perspective and work through. And my sister's been married over 20 years, which you know is impressive to me. So <laughs> I uh t- to me that's that's an a, a real good thing to to think about is just putting things into perspective and realizing okay, yeah, we're fighting about dishes. Oh, I know. You know, we're, right. we're we're fighting about dishes, and and that's so silly. I'm gonna. Are we gonna go to bed mad over this? And I don't ever want to get that call. And I don't ever want to get that call. I might throw a dish at you, but I really still don't <laughs> want to get that call. <laughs> and then you don't have uh, dishes to fight over right? anymore. No, just now paper plates from now on because those are way less harmful <laughs> <laughs> and they're compostable. <laughs> so the next triangle, it hey, can I jump in? Yeah, mm-hmm. y'all are doing great. I'm just kind of lost geometrically speaking on, are we talking about one triangle? Yes. Yes. With three different components on it. Okay. And then, (laughs) but the the number eight is in there too. Three tips. Number eight. There's eight. Okay. So when I started off, there's the triangle theory of love and there's three components. There's um, intimacy, passion, and commitment. And, of those different combinations, there are eight different styles. And so we're we're on style seven right now, which is empty. So it's, it's about you, the way you combine the three components. Yeah. It's like a pick your adventure. So if I only <laughs> have intimacy on my triangle, that's what he called like. Oh. So picture a triangle with the word like in the middle of it, and the only word present on that triangle is intimacy. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Okay, so Empty love is this idea that two people have decided they want to stay together, or hopefully they've both decided this, but there's commitment on both partnerships, but you're lacking intimacy, you're lacking passion. So there's not really a lot of interacting. You're not talking and sharing feelings. You might be talking about the mundane aspects of life. What are we going to make for dinner? What are we doing? But you're not sharing who you are anymore. You're not having the passion in that relationship, but you're committed to stay there. So it's kind of like being the two most single married people on the planet. Absolutely. It's like being married to your roommate. And that's kind of unfortunate, don't you think? I mean, I I, I hear people say this, you know, um, they've been together a long time and they say, well, I said I'd stay in the relationship, so I'm going to stay in the relationship. By golly, come, you know, hell or high water, I'm doing this, I'm staying. And that's not real fun. No, no. I had a friend from back in high school who um, proposed to his girlfriend and and, you know, when when he proposed, even I knew that they didn't they weren't supposed to stay together. That wasn't a great relationship. And he says, I we've just been together so long. It seemed like the right thing to do. And to me, <laughs> that feels very empty. You sure. know, it didn't seem like the right thing 
in his heart necessarily, but it felt like the right thing to do because of the commitment they had to each other. Right. And then we also throw in this component of, well, I'm staying for the children. Absolutely. And so then guess what? Guess what we're teaching our kids? To to be in an empty relationship. Exactly. (laughs) And that is so unfortunate. I mean, and like you said in the beginning, you hope that it's mutual, right? That, That you both have given up on the intimacy and the passion. But Probably more often than not, it's one-sided, right? Absolutely. It's one hand clapping. So basically, you somebody wants to stay in the relationship with the intimacy and the commitment and the passion there, and the other person just wants to sleep there at night. Absolutely. And that's one hand clapping, and that's really unfortunate. Yeah. My friend ended up divorced a couple of years after he got married because, well, you know, one yep. hand clapping. and It doesn't make a lot of noise it doesn't <laughs> and so um but maybe you know they'll find their forever after that hopefully and then the final one is um what we call non-love and it's pretty much what you can imagine so you're picturing this triangle and the word non-love in the middle of it and there are no words on this triangle there's no there's no commitment there's no passion and there's no intimacy and basically at this point and while he does refer this to as a style of love it really is non-love, and it just really means there is no relationship. And um, I think some people don't even know they're in a relationship like that. Absolutely. Walking around blind. Um, I have a couple questions I'd like for you to answer. So is consummate love the best, and is that the one that, and what happens if we don't get it? Is that is that the one we're getting going for? I think a lot of people really want to they probably think that consummate love is the holy grail, right? Because you have the intimacy, the passion, and the commitment. And people in general, and I'm speaking in generalities, people want to feel like they have a best friend at home and they have an amazing lover at home and that they want to stay in that environment, right? So that's that's your home run. But it's hard to get, it's hard to uh, um, sustain because as Mandy was pointing out, it gets things get in the way, you know, work gets in the way, uh, depression can get in the way, physical ailments can get in the way, kids can get in the way. And so people get nervous because maybe they had this amazing consummate relationship. And some of those things started to blur, like, you know, they all weren't in bold print, maybe intimacy went to a watermark, but it's still there. And you just have to make the effort to sit down and, and say to your partner, Hey, I want to tell you about my day, you know, because that's the intimacy part of your life. When you stop caring about how that person's day went, you have no intimacy, right? And and people always say, oh, you're in the friend zone. You're, you know, you like each other. So you only have intimacy. You're in the friend zone. Well, the friend zone isn't really a horrible place to be because it can blossom and bloom into other things. And so when you start out with the style of love that he calls like and you have intimacy only, it's a good starting point. It's a pretty solid foundation. And a lot of long-term relationships build from that because they liked each other in the beginning. And and I think, too, that what's ideal for one person is not necessarily what's ideal for another person. And there's as many ideal relationships as there are people on this planet. And for somebody, let, let's say somebody who's asexual, oh, yeah. in a relationship with somebody else who is asexual, they, their ideal doesn't have passion the same way the rest of us have passion. And maybe they're passionate for each other. But the definition of passion being about physical stuff, maybe they don't have that and that is their ideal. Or or you take somebody who's neuroatypical and you've got somebody on the autism spectrum who's not good with intimacy. 
So their ideal maybe doesn't include as much of that. And and I think that we need to keep in mind that, that you know, there is kind of this gold standard with all three of those things, but it's not everybody's gold standard. It's not, it's not everybody's cup of tea. It isn't. And Mandy brings up a really good point about how we define those words, right? And so when we talk about these um, triangles and these different styles of love, they're just this sort of this scientific, biologically, psychologically based foundation in which to draw your own triangle using those words and what they mean to you. But in general, yeah, if you only have intimacy and you don't have passion or commitment, you're, you like each other, right? You're not committed to that. You don't necessarily want to be physical with this person yet, or at least, or even ever. But you really like them, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, infatuation, you know, if you, if you have, you want to goggle it. <laughs> if you're committed to being passionate about that person. <laughs> yeah, you know, you want to have this, you know, fantasy affair in your head about what this person would be in your life. And it gets you through a dull or oppressive, you know, day, knock yourself out. So there's no rules, except that there are no rules, right? And that, that's kind of what these this theory is about. Great. And if you could briefly, I don't know if this was ever a brief answer, but, you know, what happens if we don't have consummate love or if we don't have a type of love, what, what can happen? So if we're asked, you know, what if I never find any of these styles like what if they never cross my desk you know I, I I remember when I graduated from from college and I was walking through the grocery store with my mom and and I said to her what if I don't find somebody you know to to spend my life with and you know how moms are and she goes oh honey you will and I, I stopped her and I looked her straight in the eye and I said but what if I don't and she said well wouldn't it be worse settling for second best and I, and I had to really think about that. And so I think it's important to say, I want to have, if I wanted to have a consummate relation, I want intimacy and I want passion and I want commitment. It shouldn't come with compromise. It should come with compromise with, refe- with respect to, you don't always get your way about the dishes, but it's not about, I'm going to compromise like, okay, this is, you'll do. This is, I'd like you to meet my partner. This is you know, Mr. You'll do or Mrs. You'll do. That's, that's not, that's not okay. Right. Good enough. Or this is, this is, you know, Mr. Good enough. I mean, that's not what we're, what we're trying to tell people. We're trying to tell people that if you have feelings of intimacy and passion and commitment, and you are all in on that to trust that, but it takes work. And if you don't really feel like you need passion and you just want, you know, intimacy and commitment, Okay, as long as you're both on the same page, the teeter-totter has got to be balanced. And, and if you're alone and wishing you had something that you don't, or in a relationship wishing you had something you don't, that's going to be like any situation where it can cause some depression, it can cause some and anxiety, and it can cause a lot of ailments, ailments physically, mentally, because you're not where you want to be. Um, and, because and you you're realize not, that you're not living an authentic life, and in in the biology world and the psychology world, if you are not living an authentic life, you will not be well, and that's the biology of it. And then when you talk about the biology of attraction, you know that's a whole that's we're going to do a whole episode on that. So Absolutely. you know the biology of attraction is very very powerful, but it doesn't necessarily mean that attraction is going to be a positive one. And so we have to be clear about 
the strengths of biology and that biological attraction and whether or not it'll stand the test of time. My biological attractions never did. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of concludes what we wanted to talk about, you know, in this episode with respect to some basic scientific, well thought out components of relationships and love. And I think if you listen to this more than once, you will find yourself in one or more of these examples. And we're not here to tell you that's good or bad, but we're pretty excited if we think that that's going to be an awareness for you because awareness is a is a good component to decide whether or not you want to be where you want to be. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to realize that most relationships will go through stages so that you've been in different triangles throughout the, the time you've been together. You know, maybe it started with passion when you're in infatuation yeah. and, and then you add the intimacy and and then be, you become committed and and then maybe after you have kids the passion goes away for a little while and and then maybe the passion comes back and then you age and you know all the different things but you know uh not that length of time is any kind of determination of success of a relationship but if you are in a long-term relationship most of these styles a lot of them will will pop up throughout the years Right. And you're not going to stay consummate the whole time and you're not going to stay passionate the same way and and it's, that it changes yeah. and evolves. It's it's a really dynamic concept and it's one that I think is very important to understand and not be concerned about the short term and just try to trust the process. Relationships change. That's Relationships part of what they change. do. If they don't, you're going to come stagnant and that's that's not a good relationship either. <laughs> And then that triangle is going to be non-love. So I hope you've enjoyed this. Just to give you a peek about what's coming up in our second episode, we're going to talk about some unrequited love and jealousy. and Limerence. Limerence and... Attraction. Attraction. Attraction is important. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is Dr. Betsy Cairo. And Mandy Johnson. And we're signing off. We'd like to say thanks to... Redstone Sound. Redstone Sound for recording this for us. Coming up on It's Not Human Sexuality. The feelings inside of me said, yeah, the long hair boy. Give me that long hair boy over there, that tall skinny one, just like I said I like. It has to start with attraction. Kind of what gets you going or what is interesting to you. If we looked nationally, the cultural context of that sexual attitude would be what a little bit of homophobia or what you've been told and you know stay in your lane kind of thing within your culture whatever that is but sometimes you know what you think you want is not really what works for you it's not human sexuality content is created by reproductive biologist dr betsy cairo and human sexuality education teacher mandy johnson this podcast is produced by hannah copeland and recorded by jeff ratterman at redstone sound in loveland colorado We exist in support of the nonprofit Look Both Ways, whose mission is to improve the lives of youth by imparting the knowledge and skills necessary to make informed decisions about their reproductive health.